0: If you want to be turning in your Bibles this morning to John, the fourth chapter, I want to speak to you on the subject of getting out of bad places. Getting out of bad places. You've heard people say, well, he's in a bad place. He's not in a good place. That's something that we commonly say. And I don't know that there would be a much more appropriate subject than the condition that we all are in, in one sense because the world's in a bad place, especially right now. We're, we're all in a bad place. I mean, look at us. We've basically had the world stopped over a microscopic germ. Whoever dreamed? This time last year, we were preparing to travel to Zambia. I'm very excited about that. And I, I was thinking, you know, if this was last year, we couldn't have even gone. And what an amazing trip that was and how God blessed that. It's the best one I've been on uh, to Africa yet. And yet here we are this year. If I wanted to go, I couldn't because of the travel restrictions. And it's a bad place that we're in. The whole world shuts down. The economy is, is seemingly ripped to shreds over the situation that we have before us. And I want to submit to you this morning, I don't have any um, silver bullet or any great, incredible solution so that we can get from this bad place over to some good place, that's not the answer. I submit to you this morning that getting from a bad place, no matter what the place may be, no matter what you or I may be dealing with, it doesn't have to do with another place, but it has to do with a person. Getting from a bad place and coming to a good place involves a person, not a place. Now, bad places can be literal, don't you know? They can be like some terrible party where something horrible is going on. Maybe drugs are pulled out by someone or a bar or it could be some some terrible location. I mean, think about Lot. I mean, if you've ever seen a guy that needed to relocate, (laughs) there he is, Lot. So it can be literal, but it doesn't have to be literal. I think of the great... Hymn writer and preacher John Newton, Getting Out of Bad Places. And I pulled this from one of the Christian websites in A History of John Newton. It says that Newton was nurtured by a Christian mother who taught him the Bible at an early age. But he was raised in his father's image after she died of tuberculosis when Newton was seven. At 11, he went on his first of six sea voyages with the merchant navy captain. He is described as an unsettled behavior and impatience of restraint, and he spent his later teen years at sea before he was press ganged or impressed into the royal, a Royal Navy ship. He rebelled against the Royal Navy, was caught, put in irons, and flogged, discharged to a slaver ship. You know, this was the 1800s when uh, slavery was still uh, dominating. It says where, it's late 1700s, early 1800s, where he remained arrogant and insubordinate and lived with moral abandonment. Uh, Newton himself said, I sinned with a high hand, he later wrote, and I made it my study to tempt and seduce others. Eventually employed with a slave trader off the coast of West Africa where he was treated cruelly by the slaver's African mistress, soon Newton's clothes turned to rags and Newton was forced to beg for food. Eventually able to travel home to England, and on that trip in 1747, the ship was overtaken by an enormous storm. Newton had been reading Thomas Akempis' The Imitation of Christ and was struck by a line about the uncertain continuance of life. He also recalled the passage in Proverbs, Because I have called and ye have refused, I will also laugh at your calamity. Can you picture him on that ship dealing with those types of things? Eventually, he made it back to England, left the sailor's life, became an abolitionist and contemporary of William Wilberforce. Newton initially held Bible studies in his own home and was eventually ordained as a minister. He came to know the soon-to-be-famous hymn writer, William Cowper, and he went, they went to church together in Olney, England. In 1769, Newton began a Thursday evening prayer service in Olney, England. For mo- almost every week's service, he wrote a hymn to be sung to a familiar tune. Newton challenged Cowper also to write hymns for these meetings, which he did. Newton later combined 280 of his own hymns with 68 of William Cowper's in what was to become known the popular Olney hymns. And among the well-known hymns in it are Amazing Grace, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken, How Sweet the Name of Jesus Sounds, And There is a Fountain Filled with Blood. When it was suggested that the increasingly feeble Newton retire... As he got older, he replied, I cannot stop. What shall the old African blasphemer stop while he can speak? (laughs) Who in the world could have ever figured that that slave trader, that wicked, arrogant, insubordinate, rebellious, mutinous slave trader would have ever written a hymn that you continue to sing today? I tell you, the reason that John Newton did that, the reason by God's grace he was able to do that is not because he got to a better place. It's because he met a person on that ship. And that person's name was Jesus Christ. You see, when we're in bad places, it's not about getting a better place or changing the location necessarily. But it's about meeting with a person. And as we consider that, that bad places can be literal places like what Lot dealt with. Places where John Newton was, where he had to change his occupation. It can also be emotional. Some of you dear sisters who are mothers have dealt with what is known as postpartum depression. And if any man ever says they know what that is like, they'll they'll tell another lie. And that's a horrible place to be. It's something that no one can truly identify. No one, no, no natural postpartum depression state is unique to you. And I submit to you that places like that, not just postpartum depression, but whether it's depression or issues, it's not about necessarily getting out of the place. It is coming to the person of Jesus Christ. The Word of God is filled with examples like this. You know, when you start studying in a particular vein, (laughs) old things that you've studied before become new uh, you begin to see this is, this is applicable to, to the, all of these circumstances we look at in the Scripture, and it just makes the Scripture fresh and new. And so we look at a very familiar verse, verses in John, the fourth chapter. We find a woman who was in a bad place. John, the fourth chapter, Jesus, very familiar account of when he's passing through Samaria. Oh, I tell you, it says in verse four, the Lord said he must needs go through Samaria because he had an appointment there with a woman who was in a bad place. It wasn't just a random event that occurred here, but Jesus had a, had an appointment at Jacob's well with this woman. She was in a bad place. And I want you to see how she got out of her bad place. It says that he must needs go through Samaria and it says in verse 6, Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey sat thus on the well and it was about The sixth hour, it was high noon. This is one of those showdowns at high noon. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. And I want you to notice this woman's reaction. She, She understood who she was. She knew she was a Samaritan, a lowly Samaritan who the Jews would have nothing to do with. This woman had a very good perspective on who she was and also on the bad place that she was in. Okay, it says that she responded... And said, how is it that thou, being a Jew, would ask of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. And I want you to notice how Jesus responds. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is sitting here at this well, asking you to give me to drink, you would have asked of me. You would have broken the racial barriers and the ethnic barriers and spoken to me. Jesus has a way of turning things around on on their head, doesn't he? And the woman says to him, this woman had a desire. See, she had a desire. She says, sir, there has nothing to draw with and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water that you speak of? First of all, I want you to notice that no matter what kind of bad place that we're in, there are no random people, okay? You're not just a random person. You're a blood-bought child of God who Jesus groaned and died for your sins on the cross. There is no random person to the Lord. There is the significant, individual, precious sheep of God, whoever they may be. There is no random person. But we often feel, I'm just a little nobody. I'm just no one. I'm just random. Don't you know this woman felt the same way? I want you to know that this woman here, as we come to see who she was, she, in my opinion, was the classic, uh, even though she wasn't a wife in this circumstance, she was actually living with a man, she was the classic battered wife syndrome person. Now, I've had personal experience with that, having been the prosecutor for domestic violence court for a number of years. I have seen this woman again and again and again and again, and they're all in bad places. They're in bad places. And and if we sit back and we say or scoff at it and say, Well, I can't imagine, you know, how somebody could be that way you know, we have to come to the understanding that we could be in the same situation. If you scoff at that, if we say, I can't believe somebody would let themselves go that far. I can't believe they think that way. I can't believe they'd have those kind of thoughts. We need to come back to this and understand the next time we get angry, I get angry, or, or I blow up, or I have a thought I shouldn't have. It's the same temptation. It's the same sinful temptation that affects everyone when it comes to sin. And if we start thinking, well, that would never be me, then we have crossed the line Maybe headed for that brick wall, you see. It can happen to anybody. And this woman was the classic battered wife. She'd been married five times. And the the man that she was with, she was just currently living with him. You said, Why in the world would Jesus waste time with a woman like this? <laughs> My question is, why would he not? <laughs> because she's one of his sheep. You see? What a lesson about bad places. Jesus had an appointment with this woman. He's at the well right where he knew she would be coming. And he's speaking to this woman. And it's a showdown of of sorts at high noon. She's not just a random individual. There is no such person when it comes to Christ and his children. She says, how can you speak to me? And Jesus says, if you knew who I was, you would have spoken to me and asked me some questions. And notice in verse 6, I mean, excuse me, in verse 12, she says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob? You see, this woman knew her history too. She knew that this was Jacob's well. She knew that there had been a breach and, and, and racism had risen up in years gone by because of the Samaritans versus uh, the Jews back in the days when the kingdom was split. And there were those that said, you know, we're the holy ones up here in Samaria. And the Jews would say, no, we're the holy ones down here in, in uh, Jerusalem. She knew her history. She says, Art thou greater than our father Jacob which gave us this well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus responds and said, Whosoever drinketh of this water of the well shall thirst again. In verse 14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And I tell you, this woman was a hopeful, thirsty woman. She says... Sir, give me this water, that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Do you notice how she is, at this point, she is thinking of getting in a different place. She said, I want to do what I'm doing anymore. I'm tired of the path of sin that I am on. I'm tired of being the battered wife. I'm tired of being abused by these men that have, that have abused me at least five times, maybe the sixth time here in this uh, relationship that she was in now. She wants to change her place. She wants to get out of that bad place and into a new place. And notice Jesus just keeps on going with it. She's not quite there yet. The woman says, I want to I quit doing, I want to quit being where I am. And Jesus says, go call your husband and come hither. (laughs) Jesus knew she didn't have a husband. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. At least this woman told the truth, right? She was a truthful person. She wasn't trying to shade it or hide it or make it look better for herself. She was very truthful. She says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, listen, (laughs) you talk about something being random and, and pointless. This was not random and not pointless. Jesus was looking to hear the truthful confession out of her mouth. And when we have the truthful confession out of the mouths of God's children, me especially as a minister, or if you're dealing with a friend or whatever your situation may be, I tell you there's no better feeling than the truth. Look at Christ. Christ warms up to her even more because this dear little sister is she's telling the truth. She says, I have no husband. He says, Thou hast hast well said. You've done good. And notice, she's still in the bad situation. She's still in the bad place. But he says, "You've done good, even in that bad place." She said, "You've told the truth." For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou hast now hast is not thy husband. In that thou sets truly, he said, "You have well said, and you have truly said." See, then she gets a little nervous. <laughs> He's getting a little too close to home. He's getting it's getting a little too touchy. And the woman says unto him, "Sir." I perceive that thou art a prophet. See, she's starting to warm up to who this guy is. And now notice what she says. It's interesting, isn't it, that she goes on and she begins to discuss worship. I've been talking to you for the last couple weeks about worship. Identifying the lamb in our worship. Identifying where we are when we come before the Lord to worship the lamb. And here she is, this woman in this terrible condition that she's in, this battered wife, this woman that's in a bad place. She says, our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. You see what she's saying here? She's looking for a place. She's in a bad place, and she's looking for a different place. She said, well, do you think it's appropriate that I go down to worship in Jerusalem? She'd have to disguise herself, because they wouldn't let her in the temple down there. (laughs) They're so racist against the Samaritans. She desired worship. And she didn't understand yet that what she was needing was not a place, but a person. Notice it says, Jesus responded and said, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when you shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. (laughs) Oh, child of God, you understand he's talking about where you are today. He's speaking of the church, of his church, of which he is the head and the king. He's talking about Where you are worshiping today near Gordo, Alabama, that this is something that he's referring to. He says there's coming a time when you're not going to be going up to Samaria. And you're not going to be told to go up to Jerusalem. But you'll worship in spirit and in truth in all different places around the world. You see? Now that's interesting, isn't it? Oh, I've been to Zambia. It's not tied to a place, is it? It's tied to a person. Oh, I've been to Zambia, I've been to Tanzania, I've been to other places throughout our country and worship the Lord in spirit and truth. You know why? I felt the Spirit of God. I felt tears fill my eyes. I felt the songs and the hymns being glorious to the Lord. And it's not because of the location that I was in, but it's because of the person who showed up there Jesus Christ. You see? That's what he's telling this woman. She's say, he's saying, You're in a bad place. You don't need to go up to Samaria, you don't need to go down to Jerusalem. You need me," <laughs> he says. "The hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshiper shall worship the Father and uh, worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And look, notice the desire of this woman. She desires the Messiah. Y'all understand. I don't have to. I don't even think I have to qualify this. Y'all understand. This woman's a born again child of God, right? <laughs> She desires the Messiah. She desires worship. She desires to get out of her bad place. You see, this woman is a blood-bought child of God. Nobody that, uh, anybody that has a desire for God, you understand, is already his child. Because the wicked have no desire for him. John Newton had no desire for God when he was arrogant and insubordinate. It took him meeting Jesus to be able to see his need. And you remember that meeting is not something that man fabricates or generates. It's not something man goes looking for. It says in the Old Testament that I am found of them that sought me not. (laughs) How can you be found? How can you find something that you're not even seeking? You understand that the Lord goes and finds you. The Lord goes and He has found this woman, this child of His. And she desires the Messiah. Notice what she says. She says in verse 25, I know, I know that Messiah's cometh which is called Christ. How about that? That's amazing. This woman from Samaria who is in this bad place, this battered wife, now she's not even a wife, she's an ex-wife, this battered woman, and she says, I know that Messiah's cometh. I know that He'll be called to Christ. (laughs) And when He has come, He will tell us all things. Oh, and listen to this. Isn't this glorious? Can you imagine the emotional state that this woman was in? Battered, rejected so many times. Not spoken to, probably not only by the Jews, not spoken to by the Jews, but also people in her own community probably wouldn't speak to this woman because of her past. And here is the Messiah. Here is the Christ sitting on the edge of the well speaking with this woman. And she says, I I know He'll tell us everything when He comes. And He says those blessed words. I that speak unto Thee am He. (laughs) Jesus lowers the boom. And you know, when Jesus lowers the boom, it's not gloom and doom. (laughs) When Jesus lowers the boom, it's mercy, you see. He lowers the boom and he tells her, I am him. I am what you need. I am what you've been seeking. I am how you get out of this bad place. Did she get out of the bad place into another place, another location? Did she stop going back to the well and drawing water? Absolutely not, even though she did leave her water pot for a time. It says that the disciples came upon this scene and they marveled that Jesus was talking to her. If you marvel this morning that Jesus was talking to this woman, then join the club because the disciples did the same thing. And the woman left her water pot and she went her way into the city and said to the to the people of the city, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? <laughs> then they went out of the city and came unto Him. Did you know that it, by for all practical purposes, this was probably the first gospel conversion that Jesus made. If you'll read it carefully, it could be, aside from the disciples, you know, aside from Peter, James, John, those guys. But, but by the way, I don't think they were fully following him yet. Jesus had to call them you know, two or three times to come follow him. But this is the, maybe the first conversion. And when I say conversion, remember, we're not talking about being born again. We're talking about somebody coming to the knowledge of the truth and following the Lord. And that's amazing that it's a Samaritan woman, isn't it? (laughs) She said, Sir, give me this water to drink. Jesus said to her, Dear sister, I am the water. I am the living water. You see, the woman dealt with her bad place not by relocating or getting to a different uh, location. She still went back to the same city in Samaria, she still continued to draw water from the well. But she's a follower of Jesus now because she's encountered a person, not a place. Doesn't this go against our thinking? You know, we get into these bad places. We get into places that we uh, feel like we need to get out of and we just want to change our location or we want somebody to come along and just shake us out of that. And let me show you is right there all of the time. It's a person and his name is Christ. Let me show you another example in uh, Mark, the 10th chapter. Now, I specifically selected Mark, the 10th chapter, because I love the account that's given here of the rich young ruler verse 17 it says when jesus was gone forth into the way there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him good master what shall i do that i may inherit eternal life the rich young ruler wants to do something and i tell you this man is already doing a lot but there's just not it's just not enough the place that he was in is just not enough now, the reason I selected this is because I believe that as compared to the woman at the well, th- this man, this rich young ruler is on the other end of the spectrum. He's not a battered wife. He's not what the society would consider a low life. He's not somebody that people try to avoid and not speak to. This man is admired and revered for his stand for the law of Moses and the way that he's living his life. And he's he's also uh, admired for his riches See, this is somebody on the other end of the spectrum, and yet the issue is still the same. He's in a bad place. How could this man who is keeping the law, doing the right things, hitting all the boxes, all the checklists going on in this man's life, how in the world could this man feel like there's something missing? It just doesn't make sense, does it? And yet he is. Something's missing. The rich young ruler wants to do something. And notice how Jesus immediately turns it around on its head. He says, good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? His concern is about going to heaven. He doesn't feel like he's doing enough to go to heaven. You know, that's a good feeling to have because you can't do enough to go to heaven. So in one sense, he's having a a correct feeling. He feels like he's not doing enough to go to heaven. And he says to Jesus, good master, what must I do to go to heaven, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says... Why do you call me good? There's none good but one, that is God. You know, that's not something the rich young ruler expected in response. Why would the rich young ruler even address Jesus as good master if he didn't have something down inside of him that was testifying within his heart that he was not worthy, that he wasn't getting it right, and yet here is one who is getting it right. It's the Son of God. And Jesus says, why do you even address me as good? (laughs) He turns it around on his head. In other words, what are are you really feeling inside? If you're you're calling me good master, what are you really feeling inside? And he says, you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, defraud not. Honor thy father and the mother. And he answered and he said, and don't you know, for a moment, for just a moment, the rich young ruler thought, I am in a good place. (laughs) I am in a good place. Because he just said... He just said to me that if I want to go to heaven, I need to do these things. But did he say that? He did not say that, did he? He said, you know the commandments. You know what brings peace in life. You know, don't commit adultery, don't kill, don't steal, don't bear false witness, defraud not. And if if the rich young ruler had kept all of those, you know that he had at some point in his life, even if it had been when he was a little bitty fella and he went to the cookie jar and got a cookie out when his mama said, you can't have a, a cookie kind of hypocritical to say, oh, yes, I've always honored my father and my mother. I wish I could say that about my father. and mother. There's times that I have not honored them in the in the past, and I regret those times. But this guy's a liar. <laughs> He's lying. He's saying, oh, yeah, I always honored my father and my mother. I, I never defrauded anyone. Oh, I never bore false witness. Are you kidding me? You know he did. He, at least when he was little, he did. He says, Master, I've observed these from my youth. You know, tell another lie. <laughs> Now look at, but Jesus, look at Jesus in verse 21, because this man is truly trying to answer in a correct way. Jesus beholding him loved him. Don't you ever believe anybody that ever says that the rich young ruler, poor guy, he didn't accept Jesus, he didn't let him in his heart, so he died and he went to hell. No object of Jesus' love will ever perish or, or suffer in the flames of the lake of fire. No object of Jesus' love. Jesus loved this man. This was a child of God. But he's in a bad place. Y'all see that? He's in a bad place. How many, how many of God's children are in... I know a lot of God's children that are in this bad place thinking that it's up to them to be good enough and to act to heaven. Be righteous enough so that you can merit your good works, can outweigh your bad works, and you can get to heaven. How many of God's children are facing that when it's not about your righteousnesses? It's not about your works. It's not about what you do. Yes, we do serve God. Yes, we want to honor God. But it's not for the purpose of going to heaven. It's for the purpose of glorifying him now. The rich young rulers in a bad place. How many of God's children I would love to pull out of that bad place and say, rest. Come to the person of Christ. You see that? The way to get out of that bad place is come to see the work of Christ. Come see the person Jesus Christ. He says, loving him, let yet one thing you lack. You know what he says? He, you lack. Jesus beholding him, verse 21, loved him. One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell what you have, give to the poor. You will have treasure in heaven. Notice he doesn't say, you're going to go to heaven. He says, you're going to have treasure right now. How? By coming to the person of Jesus Christ. Y'all remember the song that I pointedly selected for us to sing this morning from Matthew, the 11th chapter of the song. It says, come unto me. That's the words of Christ. Jesus cries out and says, Come unto me. Come see me. Come see my work. Come see my my stand. Come see where I am. See, that's how we're dealing with bad places. Come to Christ to see Him. Loving Him, He says, One thing you lack, you need to come to Me. You don't necessarily need to get out of the place that you're in, but notice that the rich young ruler needed to sell what he had. Come to Christ. Follow the Lord. Become a disciple of Jesus. Here is a fellow that's on the other end of the spectrum from the woman at the well. He had his works down pat. He had memorized the law. He was in what appeared to be from the outside a really good place. Because the disciples, whenever they see what goes down right here, they say, if this guy can't go to heaven, nobody has a chance. (laughs) See, because the disciples have forgotten it's about a person. It's not about a place. See, the rich young ruler was sad. He didn't have the same response that the woman at the well did. The woman at the well was changed forever. She was changed. Her mental workings of her mind were changed forever. And her bad place was obliterated by the person of Jesus Christ. And the rich young ruler has it set before him just like the woman at the well did. You're in a bad place, rich young ruler. And Jesus believed, and he went away. Can y'all picture him there walking away? And, I, and the, echoes, the echoes of Jesus' words as he walks away. How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? That's probably the last thing he heard as he went away. With his head hung down, thinking, I'm in a bad place, I'm going to hell. All this that I've done, all this that I've piled up, all these works, all my riches, all of my status, all of my leadership, it's nothing. Why? Because he wouldn't come to Jesus. The disciples were astonished. Astonished. They couldn't believe it. They said, what? We know this guy. Well, he's a good leader, he's kind, he's got, and he's got riches, he helps the poor, and he, um, he does all these things in the he's got all these and he can't go to heaven. You see they're all thinking wrong. Jesus has never once said this guy's not going to heaven. He said this guy's in a bad place because he thinks that everything he does it, it hinges on whether or not he goes to heaven. And Jesus, thank goodness, He relieves them. He says, children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God there, as you know, is not heaven. It's the church of the Lord. It's following the Lord now. It's the same place that that woman at the well went to. She went into the kingdom of God. He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measure. They were astonished over what just went down. And then they're they're just losing it. They can't understand. And Jesus looks, and they said, who can be saved if this guy can't go to heaven? If he's in such a bad place with all the good that he's doing, then who in the world? None of us have a chance. You see, this is what happens when we begin to measure ourselves by each other. You understand that? Well, so-and-so's over there doing this. They're hitting every, check, uh, every, every uh, thing on the checklist. I'm not. I'm failing. When we start measuring ourselves among ourselves, we're going to get into a bad place. And notice the the disciples get into a bad place. Because they say, if this guy's not going, there's no way we have a chance. We don't have money, and we don't have the works this guy has. We don't have the status in the community that this guy has. There's no way. Thank God it's not about the status in the community, or the works, or the riches. Praise God. It's not about the status. It's not about who you are. It's about who He is. See? And the disciples are astonished out of measure. They're beside themselves going, what? And Jesus says, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. And guess what? That's God standing there talking to them. It's the person of Christ talking to them. John 7 and 37 Jesus is walking in the temple. He says something very, very similar to what He told the woman at the well. In John 7 and 37, it says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and He cried. Can you all picture Him there in the temple as He's walking through uh, the temple and He's in that last great day of the feast and the Pharisees are there and the, the common people are there. And Jesus opens up His mouth and He cries out loud. He says, If any man thirsts, let him come unto Me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Is that not almost the same thing that he told the woman at the well? He said, I have the living water. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Because, why? Because of the person of Jesus. This He spake of the spirit which they that believe on him should receive. You see he's speaking of the Spirit of God. You see, the spirit of God is not bound to a, a physical location. The spirit of God is not limited in someone's bad circumstance. You see, the Spirit of God is unbound, it's unhinged. It can go wherever it pleases. You see? And Jesus says, "It's all about me. <laughs> Jesus was not a narcissist, okay? <laughs> This is not God having a narcissist fit. (laughs) This is the holy God who never said anything wrong, never does anything wrong, never thinks anything wrong, telling the truth about himself. It's not about getting out of a bad circumstance, it's about seeing the person of the God man. You see, got a couple more. Examples I want to give you. Then we'll close. In Luke 11 and 24, we briefly touch on this one. Luke 11 and 24, Jesus, out of his own mouth, gives the account of the man who had the unclean spirit. Luke 11 and 24. I want you to notice what this man is looking for. This man is looking for a place, not a person. Luke 11 and 24, he's looking to get in a good place. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places. Notice place right there, (laughs) seeking rest and finding none. See, he's looking for a place. He wants to get out of that bad place. He's gotten out of the bad place. Now he's looking for a good place. See, he's wandering around. He's seeking rest. He can't find any, though. You know why? Because he's looking for a place, (laughs) he's not looking for a person. He's looking for a place, and he says, I can't really find the place I fit in or the place that I want to be, so I'll return into my house once I came out. And when he comes, he looks and he says, well, it wasn't so bad. My house has been cleaned. I I picture some of the stuff that Brother Cole does. He he sometimes cleans out some of these uh, houses that have been foreclosed, and he's told me some. I've seen some myself in my own work, but he's told me some doozies about some houses they've cleaned out. I mean, just... Horrible, especially when some folks knew they were fixing to have their house taken, they just trashed it, you know. And yet, after they do their thing and they get the house cleaned out, and somebody comes in and does the paint work, they do the plumbing work, they do the touch up, they do all these things, you know. You could go back to that house, you could see it before, you could say, Good grief, it's a horrible place. Then it gets all touched up and cleaned up, and they go, You could go back and look and say, Wow, this looks pretty good, it's not so bad. That's what this man does. Because he's looking for a place. He's not looking for a person. He says, this wasn't so bad. Somebody's touched up the walls. The paint's better. You know, the place where I put my fist through the wall has been cleared up and, and puttied over. You know, the place wherever I, I took the chair and threw it out the window and busted the window. Oh, it's not like that anymore. All those things that went on in that house, whether it was drug use or, because I'm telling you, that's where you find these demons hanging out. Whether it was something like that, and and not just there, but there was something bad going on in this house. He goes back and he says, Well, you know, I I know that's where I, you know, did some lines of cocaine right there, you know, on that table, but it's been cleaned off. It's not so bad. I know that's where I smoked marijuana, or I know that's where I got drunk right over there in that corner. (laughs) It's not so bad. You know, he cleaned up my throw up. Is that too graphic? I want you to get the point. This man's looking for a place, not a person. Jesus says, He goes and He takes seven other spirits unto Him, as wicked as Himself, more wicked than Himself, and they enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first because He was searching for a place. Oh, listen to me. Let me be as clear as I can be. It's not about the place. If you're dealing with a bad place, we all get in bad places. And it's not about getting from that bad place to another place. It's about in that bad place, looking to the person of Jesus Christ, and he will be there no matter what place we're in. Let me give you one that's a sad one, isn't it? That's like the rich young ruler. Now don't don't worry, the rich young ruler's in heaven. But he had a sad experience with his bad place. Not the same experience as the woman at the well, who had a good experience. This is sad right here, where the man went back and took on seven demons worse than himself. Let's look at a positive one. Let's close on a few positives. Luke 8 and verse 35. Here is one of my favorite accounts of the scripture. I've referred to this fondly before as uh, the account of, of the non-green incredible hulk <laughs> encountering Jesus. This man's not green, not that I know of. Now he, he might have been a little had a little touch of green, but but this guy's like the incredible Hulk. He's got superhuman strength and You know, unlike the Hulk, who still has some pants on, this guy ain't got anything on. (laughs) He is really grotesque. He's completely naked. And he's running around the countryside, terrorizing people, children, uh, adults. You know, nobody's going to go visit their uh, their family member who's died at the tombs because this man's running around naked in the tombs, screaming, and not just screaming, but he will attack you. And so the apostles, they come. They know about this guy. And it says... Uh, in Luke the 8th chapter, whenever they come to this area, at verse 26, it says, They arrived in the country of the Gadarenes. And I'm not going to go through all the account here, but here he comes. Here comes this wild Gadarene, this incredible non green Hulk man who, is, who can break chains and who can break ropes. And he's in a, would y'all agree with me? This man's in a bad place. <laughs> I mean, come on. He's in a bad place. And he's been in this place for a long time. You see? And here he comes. He's coming to who? He's coming towards the disciples. He's coming towards their boat. He's running and he's probably screaming and gnashing at the teeth. And he's saying some ugly stuff. And the first thing out of his mouth, he comes running up. And the disciples are thinking, we're done for. This guy's fixing to clean our plow. And he comes and he falls down at the feet of Jesus. And he cries with a loud voice. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, the Most High? I beseech thee, torment me not. What a confession. What an amazing account here. How incredible is it that he comes to the feet of Jesus? This incredible hawk He is tamed at the feet of Jesus. And and get the point. Where has he come to? He didn't sign up for a self-help program. He didn't go to something that man had fabricated. No, and I know some of those things have uh, good things that that they can uh, do. But understand, it's coming to Jesus that this man has an experience with. In his bad place, he comes to Jesus and he's at the feet of Jesus and he's confessing that Jesus is the Son of God. And by the way, it's the devils in him confessing right now. I've heard some of the old preachers say that some, that the devils understood who Jesus was before a lot of the people did. <laughs> And here he is at the feet of Jesus. Why are you tormenting me? And Jesus casts that devil out. It goes into the herd of swine. And you know, the swine go running off the hill, uh, running off the mountain there, and, and plunge down into the water and drown and choke and die. That would have been quite an experience, wouldn't it? And over there in verse, let's look at verse 35. It says, When they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man, that's the wild Gadarean, Out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus clothed, he got his clothes on now, and in his right mind, they were afraid. They also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed, and the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes, who have now been purged from this wild, crazy man... They asked Jesus to leave. That's a subject for another time, but it still kind of ties in. They didn't even want to be around the person of Christ because of his power. They should have sent him a letter. They should have given him a plaque. They should have given him a key to the city that said, thanks for casting out the wild Gadareeans demons. You know what they did? They asked your savior to leave. That's rude, isn't it? Oh, you've never, you said, well, people have been rude to me. You've never been, had somebody be as rude to you as they were rude to Jesus. And a man out of whom the seven devils were were departing, but saw Jesus. He said, let me be with you, Lord. What did he want? He wanted Jesus. He wanted the person of the Son of God. He was looking for a person, not a place. Now, he says, return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. I don't know if the writer of Hinds uh, feet in high places had this verse in mind when when they did their allegory of the young woman, Much Afraid, who traveled with the shepherd up to the high places. I don't know if she had that in mind, but that's a pretty good example right there because it comes all the way down to the end of the book and Much Afraid has gotten her hinds feet and she's able to bound from uh, place to place in the mountains following the shepherd as he bounds. And she says, basically, what do I do now? And the shepherd says go back to where you came from. Go back. you got a new perspective. You've had an encounter with the person of the shepherd. He tells the wild Gadarean, go back. And notice it says that the wild gowns whenever he went back and he published through the whole city. He didn't just go back to his house. And by the way, this is one of those times whenever Jesus didn't say, I don't tell anybody what I did for you. He knew that this man couldn't hold it in. He knew this man was going to be a walking testimony. There he is. He's got his clothes on. He's smiling. He's in his right mind. And he began to publish through the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. Matthew 11 and 28 through 29, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that are laboring and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You understand that's not a call to become a child of God. That's a call for the child of God to come follow the Lord. He says, And come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, Matthew 11 and 28. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, Christ is a person, not a place. Heaven is heaven because Christ is there. You understand that? I want to share with you, a, I guess you might say kind of in tribute, but there was, I've been listening back through my podcast of Robbie Zacharias and I always try to write down or take a note of the ones that really, some of the stories that he shares that are true stories that really affect me. And this is one that really affected me. And I think it ties in directly to finding Christ as a person and not just looking for A place. And this is the true story of Ravi Zacharias' Vietnamese interpreter when he went to Vietnam in 1971. And I've just kind of hit the highlights here, and I'm going to share it with you. Uh, Ravi Zacharias says that he was about 25 years old, and he was speaking in Vietnam, and this was during the days of the Vietnam War. Thousands were in attendance, and he had an interpreter. the, The guy's name was Huy Phan. He was about 17 years old and he said he looked out during the middle of a sermon and this young man, the interpreter, was sobbing in the middle of a sermon. No, def, no doubt he's a child of God. And 17 years went by after Ravi left Vietnam and he, he didn't have any way to communicate with the guy didn't hear from him. But 17 years later, the guy calls him when Ravi Zacharias was living in Canada. He, says, he said he recognized his voice immediately. He said, "Who, who th- is this him? He says, yes. And this young man, who was 17 years later, is in California, and he told this account of what happened after Robbie left. It says that this young man was imprisoned after Vietnam fell, and all their books were taken away. You remember the communism took over. Total side note, but this is the kind of destructive thing that socialism and communism will do to a society. Never kid yourself that it's harmless all books were taken away and they were forced to read Marx and Engels every day trying to knock God out of him <laughs> and he says that as he was in prison that Robbie came to his mind and it was so bad and they were being tortured that on a particular night that he decided he was done no more praying he's done with this Jesus thing <laughs> and the next morning he was up in the morning they assigned him to latrine cleaning duty to the toilets this is in a prison right he said he was awful he said he never wanted to go back to do that again. It was so awful. Cleaning the, he said he was cleaning the latrine, and in a tin can, he saw a page of something that was written in English. And for whatever reason, he pulled the page out of the tin can. This was the waste can, by the way. He pulls the, the page out of the tin can, and he washes it off and takes it back to his prison cell, and it was a page from the Word of God. It was Romans 8 and 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? He started crying. He said that it hadn't been 24 hours since he gave up on God and God wouldn't let him go. <laughs> the next morning he asked to be on the train duty again, which was the worst duty you could be on. And he found more pages from the Bible in the excrement and in the tin cans. He would pull them out and he would wash them off and take them back to his cell and he would read them every night. The commanding officer apparently had been given a Bible and had been using the Bible As toilet tissue. Hyun Phan was washing them out and reading the Bible every night. Later, he was released, and it says that he began building a boat along with the 52 other men to escape to Thailand. And before their first attempt to escape, the Viet Cong who had taken over the country came and confronted him, and he denied it. He said, No, no, I'm not trying to leave. And and, and it smote him, it hurt him. So he said, If I ever get a chance to stand up for my Lord again, he said, I'll do it, even if it means death. He was so convicted over that. So another time came, and they were preparing to leave again. And just hours before leaving, escaping from Vietnam to go to Thailand, the Viet Cong came and said, We know you're lying, and we know that you're trying to escape. And he stood before them, and he said, Yes, I am. And he said, I am a Christian. And they said, We want to go with you. Will you take us? How about that? So they escaped to Thailand. Eventually, he made a you. And 17 years later, he calls... Robbie Zacharias to tell him that account. Let me tell you something. If God can overcome and manifest Himself in the latrine of a Vietnamese prison, there is no bad place that you can get into that if you're looking, you will see the person of Jesus Christ. How merciful is that account? Are you in a bad place? (laughs) You need a drink of that living water? Let me tell you, you don't need a different place. You need a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. I could give you accounts of my own personal life moving far away to a city to go and do what I wanted to do and follow a path that was totally destructive, (laughs) not knowing all the time that I had an appointment. (laughs) I had an appointment. And I'll tell you, the appointment that I had was with a man. I knew the doctrine. I'd grown up since knee-high to a grasshopper, understanding predestination and election and how glorious that is. Those were all concepts to me. Those were all uh, theological understandings and I was so proud to know those things, but it did me absolutely no personal good until I had that appointment with that man. And that man came to me in the form of the preaching of the gospel. And the preacher of the Gospel told me that I was a ruined sinner and it took the blood of Christ to pay not just for the entire sins of the elect of God, the sheep of God, but for me personally, Tim McCool personally. And I began to have a rush of thoughts and thinking about all my sins and who am I and what am I doing here and how come I have chosen this path for myself. What is it about for me? Oh, I tell you. And then the rush of mercy of that man that I had a meeting with come up, came up upon my mind and I thought, what sweet peace he's whispering to me. <laughs> and I've told you this before, but the first thought that came to my mind, first thought was, go home. Go home. But I want you to know this, I didn't go home the next day. I was delivered from the bad place that I was in just by the presence of the Son of God. That person, that God-man. And sometime later, I was able to, uh, we were able to work things where we could get there. But I'll tell you right then and there, I went from a bad place to a good place. Right then and there. <laughs> Ultimately, brothers and sisters, we're going to all be delivered completely from our bad places. This earth, in a sense, is a bad place. And it will be deliverance into the presence of a person. You understand that? Heaven is heaven because Christ, the person, the God-man, is there. The poem says, I seek a city built above as wide as it is tall. Its cornerstone was laid by love and jasper are the walls. Pure gold it's made as clear as glass. But none of this compares for the glory of the city is because the Lord is there. You see, heaven is heaven, not because it is a place. You understand that? It is a place, but it's not heaven because it is a place. It is heaven because a person is there, the God man. He whose thunder shakes creation and bids the planet's roll, eternity filled with His voice and He speaks and He whispers not judgment and not condemnation, but He says, peace. Who is this that comes from far with his garments dipped in blood? Strong, triumphant traveler, is he man or is he God? I that reign in righteousness, Son of God and Man, I am mighty to redeem your race. Jesus is your Savior's name. Wide ye heavenly gates unfold, closed no more by death and sin. Lo, the conquering Lord! Behold, let the King of Glory in. Hark, the angelic host inquire, Who is he that Almighty King? Hark again, the answering choir thus in strains of triumph sing. He whose power Powerful arm alone on his foes, destruction hurled. He who hath the victory won, he who saved you by his blood, he who God's pure law fulfilled, Jesus the incarnate word, he whose truth and blood was sealed, he is heaven's. All glorious Lord. If you're in a bad place, I encourage you not to try to seek a different place. But seek the person of Christ. You'll have the same experience that the woman at the well had. You'll have a glorious experience that the rich young ruler never had. You'll have the gracious, great, and glorious experience of publishing the name of Christ like the wild Gadarean who once ran around like a crazy man. Isn't it glorious? It's all about coming to a person and not to a place. If there's one or more here that understands that and would like to follow the Lord, there's no better place in the world to follow Him and connect with God than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ.